Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, essential requirements for edge to cloud service architectures with Dr. Anna Scott. Anna, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I was just going to say I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for giving me a chance to come in and talk with you about Edge to Cloud. So, Anna, if if no one's heard Anna speak before, which she has, this is her third time, guaranteed. We just talked about that. Um, um, Dr. Scott is our chief edge architect at Intel Public Sector, and uh, in, incredible background in industrial in the industrial space, oil and gas, and other things. Um, Anna, Anna is, is our go-to when it comes to edge uh, architecture. So welcome uh, again, Anna, to the show. Thank you so thank you so much, Dan. It's really a pleasure. So recently, uh, you headed up an effort um, to write a white paper on edge to cloud service architectures, and uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about the experience. It was like herding herding yeah. cats, right? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Like. Um, Obviously, Edge to Cloud encompasses a whole lot, right? So we're, uh, and it's a beautiful match for Intel because it hits all of the high points of the technology that we care about right now. So you've got, you know, artificial intelligence is critical. You have Edge as a major component. Obviously, you have Cloud as a major component. But then your network connectivity is really, really important too. And so to really kind of tackle this paper and just how Intel is approaching edge to cloud architectures. You know, we got folks from all of those different areas together um, with some pretty uh, impressive expertise and really wanted to talk through how do we just stop saying, here's a great edge architecture um, with no discussion about how does that then connect back into the cloud and take advantage of that. Um, and you know, again, we have great cloud architectures as well. So, so this whole effort of how do you pull everybody together was a lot of fun. And also, you know, what's super true is we all speak very different languages. Um, we have different taxonomies. We say words and they mean something to one group and something totally different to another group. Um, and so it's got, it's got some really interesting challenges. Um, plus, uh, just to have the discussions to really kind of pull these architectures together, we've had to ask people to uh, learn a whole lot of things, right? Because you can't you can't talk about how how you can really make a, a solid edge to cloud architecture without your cloud folks knowing more about the edge and the edge folks well, knowing more about. Well, to me, I thought that was the most interesting thing in being involved in in the discussions. The OT guys and the IT guys. I'm IT. You're OT. We were not speaking the same at all, <laughs> right? When I would say yeah, something. You were like, no, Darren, that doesn't make sense in the <laughs> OT space. So I thought it was really interesting because you're right. We both learned a lot from each other um, in in addressing uh, these new architectures that are spanning everything. Yeah, and 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 then you like throw in network, and network their language doesn't match either of those either. Uh, the right? network guys, I'm and sorry. <laughs> uh, the network guys, they can sit on the side. Network. 
Come on, that's just plumbing, right? Not for this. It's just plumbing. Yeah, not for this anymore. <laughs> no, not so, anymore. So, well, yeah, and I know you, you know, Darren. I mean, like one of the really cool things about this was um, what we what we really learned with these discussions, especially when you get out to the edge. The communications is just hypercritical. Like you're not going to design your edge architecture without a really solid knowledge of what your comms are because that's going to dictate how much compute you need to be local, how much you can really rely on the cloud, um, how often you can rely on the cloud. Um, and since we're both in public sector, we've got the added complexity of, of having use cases that are really highly centered on still needing to keep the functionality when you've got DDL conditions, right? Or the delayed, disrupted, and uh, intermittent communications. So it becomes really, really important. And that's where, I have to say, I think so many of the interesting conversations and so many of the new, the new key points that are relevant um, really came from is just comms is no longer something that you can say is going to be there and that it's you know, got the latencies that you need and that it's got the bandwidth that you need. You really have to rethink these, these architectures and the cloud connectivity based on those limitations. So I thought that that's interesting. So the first major difference that we saw uh, between a, a cloud architected service infrastructure and the edge was the comms part, right? I think there's this big, huge assumption, and I know I made it. I made it. I don't do it anymore because you schooled me very well. Um, which is, I'm not always connected, right? Because a, a lot of the tools out there assume connectivity, and if you're not connected, that means you're dead. And I'm not going to deal with you anymore, right? That's what it typically meant. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case in Edge, right? Yeah, de definitely not. And it's it's also true. I mean, I've, I brought up this public sector example because obviously for uh, for military applications, that's that's really true. But you know, one of the things we were able to do with this group is bring in a lot of experts from other verticals. So like Karen Perry really helped us with uh, the healthcare side of the world. And turns out healthcare totally has to assume that you don't have good connectivity. Because if they want to do patient edge cases where, like, uh, one of the ones I know a little bit about um, that, that Karen had shared with me is that uh, if, you, if you want to work in somebody's home because, say, they've got long-term long care, um, you know, most people are not necessarily sophisticated uh, users of technology, especially if they have a very serious, serious health condition. And so how do you really set something up where you can do continuous patient monitoring, do proper alarming and alerting and do all the things that you need to do when, hey, that person's you know, internet or their Wi-Fi could, could go out. So how do, you, how do you design around that? Well, yeah, now you're dealing uh, with people's lives, right? It's, it, it's super yeah, it's not like, oh, stuff, I couldn't right? stream my Netflix um, video for, you know, 30 minutes. Now you're dealing with, for yeah, a few minutes. this is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out industrial has really similar, uh, you know, similar requirements as well. You you can't be offline um, because the control for certain you know machinery or for certain processes is just way too critical. And so this whole idea of how do you have this uh, very uh, edge centric compute that maintains all critical functionality, but then can have connectivity back into the cloud and do that in uh, you know essentially a, an intermittent fashion, right? Um, so we can absolutely architect for that, but that's something that there's there's obviously been work from the edge perspective, but there's still a lot more that can be done, especially if you want 
a nice seamless set of operation of, hey, you do have cloud connectivity. Now here's what you can do. Hey, you lost that. Here's, here's what, what you can keep do, yeah. doing. Now, what does it mean when everything is restored and what's your version of the truth, right? Because you're going to have a disconnect between what's been happening with your data. Um, and in some cases, that can be very, very, very important. Um, and then where it got really cool, right, when we were talking through this is, you know, when you really do this at scale and you've got hundreds or thousands of edge devices, that whole idea of how do you synchronize all of that data? Um, if you're trying to really understand what's happening across a, um, a large area and across a large time frame, uh, you get into some complexity that is really Yeah, complex. yeah. In, in fact, one of, one of the more yeah. interesting ones is, let's say your cloud goes down, you have a thousand nodes connected, and then you reconnect, mm -hmm. you can get a, a comm swarm where everything's trying to communicate Absolutely. all at once and send all the data they had all at once, and you'll overwhelm your cloud. Um, instances so yeah and I, I wanted to highlight like we didn't really do this in the white paper when we when we wrote that up we tried to keep it uh, focused on here are the things that matter as opposed to here's the technology that we have that can help address these problems right um, with the idea that what we wanted to do is start the dialogue and help provide a framework for how to think about things and where where to look for some of the disconnects that we've we've identified but like um, if you're up for it Darren I think talking about the work that you've done with Edgemere is really fascinating right because because Edgemere is really designed in a way that allows everything to work well even when you've got that sort of a complex situation where tons of edge nodes you've just come back onto the cloud how do you make sure your comms are you know how do you make sure that your your system isn't overwhelmed because everybody's talking about yeah well and we i have a couple podcasts on edge mirror i'll, I'll point people to them and, but edge mirror is this like you mentioned it's a conceptual architecture on how clouds work um, cloud to edge work and the things you have to watch out for But I want to go back to kind of these requirements that were flushed out, right? Because okay. we talked about Perfect. comms, which is probably the biggest one. Let's talk about some of the other ones like security, right? Why? What's different yeah. in security on the edge than like in the cloud? What's would you say the number one thing? Uh, probably the number one thing is your edge devices could be uh, picked up, picked up and carried yeah. off. Yeah, right? someone could steal it. So. Yeah. so so phys physical security is a different thing at the edge. Uh, and depending on how critical your functionality is and what's actually on that edge device, uh, there could very easily be uh, information that you don't want to be retrievable. Um, you also want to make sure that if somebody takes an edge device, that that doesn't give them uh, essentially an entry point into your, into your network. So there's a, a whole new set of requirements that, um, you know, that, that really Come, come to place. A lot of the, the, a lot of the traditional security stuff is still super important, right? You still want to do all of your authentication. You still want to be able to, to know that the, 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 the device is the device that you think it is. Um, but we have to step. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when we went over the security ones. There's new cases where I can put it. I can put an edge device out there and, and proxy or spoof your cloud instance and say, hey, I'm one of your edge devices, and all of a sudden. I'm sucking down all the information, all of your critical information, or I'm just feeding it garbage, uh, which could, you know, cause major problems. 
just yeah. So yeah, security yeah. on the edge. It's a little scary to me, frankly. Yeah, and I, I would say it's also where where we need to, like we as an industry need to be devoting some more time, right? Because um, there there are very good solutions that they're out that are out there, but but it is just a more complex world. And you know, as we talk zero trust architectures, which again for public sector is super important, you know, edge devices are just this huge attack surface now, right? Um, and it, in some ways, it's not so different from Hey, everybody's working on a laptop. Yeah, from home that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, COVID kind of pushed us right. a little bit to secure our, or come up with better edge mm -hmm. security solutions. Yeah, and there's there's a lot there, but one of the things that we realize that we really want to be working on is we have great laptop security, and we have all sorts of ways to protect around that. Those aren't those types of capabilities aren't necessarily applied to to edge devices that are not laptops, that are for more industrial functionality or um, are being used, uh, you know, say for a machine vision or a computer vision type of application. And so there's a there's a pretty solid dividing line and, and we really do uh, at Intel want to work this idea of um, how much of what we've learned with our PC security can we extract and really start applying into uh, you know what used to be called gateways, because it's an old term, position. right? <laughs> you know, it's now it's your now it's your your it's your edge device, right? And say, what can we leverage there? And are there some some rapid iterations that we can do that you know that help? And often there's a big divide on uh, operating systems, right, between those two, because um, you know Linux is still the winner when you're when you're doing anything you know with a more functional and more uh, you know, more application focus as opposed to like a, uh, you know, a traditional type of workloads that you do with PCs. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a fascinating world. I, I wanted to mention one thing before we, we move on. The other thing that is new that hasn't, uh, we haven't really seen adopted or used yet, but is absolutely within the you know, line of vision is this idea that um, for your edge devices, we now know enough about what the edge device is supposed to do, where it's supposed to be, how to confirm that it's in the place that it's supposed to be. There are some new things that can really be brought into security to say, don't just stop at, hey, I recognize this ID, right? Or I recognize the device. Can we confirm that with the other edge information that we're collecting as a result of the application that it's- In the right it's, location? Uh, you know, is it's, pri yeah. its primary function, right? Um, and, and being able to do that gives us a whole new horizon of, of you know, just what we can really monitor and what we can flag as anomalous behavior. And that's where you know, AI from application standpoint is beautiful. But if you just say, let's start talking about how you can use AI for anomaly detection to say one of my 10,000 devices is really out there <laughs> with respect to what we would anticipate given how what its design functionality is, right? So there's there's some really, I think, amazing stuff that's going to be coming in the near future because um, because we just have some some really good All right, let's talk a little bit about application so. because you mentioned a little bit I can use AI to help anomaly detection. Uh, whether an application is running appropriately on an edge device or the edge device is doing what it's supposed to, how are applications different in edge than they are in the cloud? 
Yeah, so so obviously there's a, a strong push to have this be containerized, right? Because one of the things that you really want is you want portability of those applications. And so you, without having to say, I know exactly what this piece of hardware is, and I know its operating system, and I know everything about it, you don't want a custom design in that. You want to say, hey, that, that architecture is set up for a container, and now I'm going to just plop this new... That's a major shift, that. right? Because in the past, Edge... It's all custom, custom stuff, right? Yeah. 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 And there's obviously been use of use of containers and use of uh, virtual machines. But when you really want to scale this, and especially like the thing we spend a lot of time exploring, right, is where it becomes the most relevant is uh, we're still going to develop most of our applications on the cloud or in a developer environment. Right, and so where they're all going to be tested and used is going to be there first. But if we can have a good understanding of what those applications really need to run at the edge, and again, do that in a compute limitation with compute limitations, with power limitations, with connectivity limitations, right? And say understand those up front, so that when those applications are developed, there's actually a very clear way for hey, here's how you can drop this drop this down into this new location without having to take an additional step to be able to reprogram, you know, um, without having to bring in new middleware because, hey, you've got this great application, but to be able to understand your data, you still have to do a whole other set of, of, uh, of software development so that it can get its raw data feeds so the application has something to work on. Um, so again, lots of things have been done in that space, but but again, just this whole idea of begin with the end of mind, appreciate that the edge environment is very different, and before you start building those applications, you know, take advantage of the fact that um, you know you know what your limitations are on the edge. We haven't talked about this yet, but let's do a quick diversion and say. Let's talk about how diverse the edge can be, how much it can be a, a new distributed compute setup, um, because where we also see some really remarkable things, right, is um, most designs right now is you have a single piece of compute, you know, or maybe like a, you know, a few small servers, and you can run your applications right there. We are already able to say, can you design that application so that it could actually run off of a mesh network with highly distributed uh, compute where now that is just, if you've got 10 nodes out there and all 10, node, 10 nodes of those are in place, now you know, spread that it. heavy application so across That all lends those, itself really well right? then to containerization and decoupling the application from the hardware. And that's a major shift, right? Yes, well, yeah. And uh, well, and then just getting getting more generic right. and less okay. purpose built, right? Um, you know, IoT and Edge is be still very much like here is the single application that you're going after. Here's your data feeds. Here's uh, you know, and here is your one set of uh, code that's going to use those data feeds to give you one answer, right? Um, and that is great for. For situations where yeah, you know, well, you which really doesn't happen anything, anymore, right? right? I mean, um, those development cycles are years long, and now we need to get into developing new new applications in in months yeah. instead of years. 
Yeah, and they're constrained and they tend to be very proprietary um, and you have one company that can actually keep them going. And so this whole idea of like changing the whole the whole dialogue to say, hey, now what we really want is we want data from anywhere we can get it. And then we want to plop down whatever. No, that's a good word. It's just somehow <laughs> working for me. Um, we want to use whatever application, um, you know, whatever application is the cutting edge application that we care about, right? So we want the software part of that to stay extremely current and robust and be able to take advantage of all of the all of the advances that are being made, and then just really marry up very quickly and effectively to uh, to the data that's available. And then if we can make that even more robust by saying you you know you can use whatever compute you have at the edge and if your application is too big to run on a very constrained piece of hardware that you've got if there's others in the area and you can mesh that out now you can really still support that application at the edge So you mentioned something which is the which is the next major requirement. It's data management. Yes. All right. This is a major shift, right? This is probably right up there with comms. How do I manage data on the edge? Um, I remember when I first saw edge architectures, everyone said, oh, 5G is going to fix this. Because I'll just connect. Right, exactly. The 5G will, <laughs> will connect it all up. And there's more bandwidth in 5G than I could ever fill. And that's completely shot to smithereens. I mean, so I mean, it still can work, right? It's just it depends on one: do you actually have that network available, and then can your applications have that be? uh, You know, are are your applications such that you can support it with a centralized uh, model where your maybe your data is collected at a local, you know, at an edge location, but then everything happens in the in the cloud and then do well, you want to pay for it <laughs> right? yeah yeah it's the volume of data too there's so yeah. much data being collected at the edge or generated at the edge absolutely i don't i don't think i want to send all that raw data to a data center to be processed yeah. i just don't yeah and in most places the cost is too high i mean that's one of the nice things i will give a bit of a plug for private 5g part of the reason that private 5g and again this is very u.s centric because the spectrum allocations and things are different in other parts of the world but for the u.s like when they opened up cbrs spectrum and allowed uh you know essentially the uh individual users or private users to take advantage of that spectrum um, so that now, instead of always being beholden to a carrier, you could stand up your own 5G network on that available spectrum. And now you care a whole lot less about those data costs because what you're already paying for is your infrastructure and keeping your network going, as opposed to doing a, you know, a normal cost structure if you're, if you're working with a carrier. So there are some things that can happen that can make it very cost effective to still just move a ton of data over your over your network. Obviously, you can do some stuff with Wi-Fi 6 too. But but again, like most people and for most organizations, you're not standing up a private 5G network to or 4T, 4G LTE network to do your work, um, which means you got massive data, data rates and high data rates that you have to pay. So there's a good incentive to get your Well, you also have to store all that. And I have to store all crazy, that data. Right? Um, right. I mean, we're talking exabytes of data, yeah. not petabytes. Exabytes of data being generated. Uh, a 4K camera is outrageous, right? Well, and most of the data is um, of no use, right? Um, because luckily, when we're trying to like monitor something or we're trying to understand something, as a rule, you know, 
most of the data that's coming across is telling you that everything's okay. And all you really care about yeah. is when things aren't okay, right? And that's where the, the value of the computer vision and the edge, uh, edge capabilities and really applying AI algorithms gets really exciting because, um, because you can do that and do that very effectively. Um, but if we go back to data management a little bit, you know, Darren, you're, you're really much more the data management expert than I am. Um, I did hope that we could talk a little bit about some of the work that Stan Mo has done with, uh, with Sadie. With Sadie, right? Yeah. And how that kind of makes sense and works with the Edgemere architecture that you also have. But maybe as opposed to talking architectures, we can say, here's the cool stuff that those those types yeah, of software yeah, so do let, to help with the problem, right? Yeah, you turned it around. Now you're interviewing me. Way to <laughs> <Sorry>. go, Anna. <laughs> Yay. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> No, you know what? Um, what we found was there's different modes of operation for data management, or we call data ops. The traditional one is copy everything to the data center and run analytics there. Mm -hmm. And everyone's been doing that for decades. And they're finding, oh, that doesn't quite work for Edge, so we're just going to push applications out to the Edge. And um, that doesn't always work. Uh, so we've identified a couple other data architectures or data ops. One is uh, called a data exchange, where it's a combination of moving data um, in secure enclaves or um, only after it's been analyzed on the edge. And, um, and, and that's um, in like batch type processing. Um, another, um, a fourth one is what we call intelligent uh, data streams. And this is where Sadie and Saber really come into play, where I'm only moving data based off of uh, rules and it's being streamed and it works in these DDO environments that you talked about. So mm -hmm. it's not just, hey, this application always does analytics and sends it. It's what's the current operating environment? Is it a full full bandwidth? I'm going to send everything I possibly can or am I only getting kilobit right now? Mm -hmm. um, or do I have no comms? I need to cache and do some massaging the data and then only send what really matters later when I reconnect. So there's lots of really cool things around the data management side. We should probably have Stan come on on the show and mm -hmm. and talk about it because um, we can go for another hour or two um, just talking about data. So, all right, we're going to move, though, because yep. we'll yeah, never yeah. finish. Let's let's talk about manageability. I mean, what does what does manageability really mean? Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but give give me why this is such a requirement. Yeah. So this is this is the the classic uh, edge problem for uh, for industrial, but also for you know, uh, for other verticals. Which is um, you know the real promise of IoT has always been this whole idea of there's billions and billions of devices and now you've just got this massive amount of data. Um, but there's the very real problem that's like, hey, let's just talk 100 devices. And how are those 100 devices really going to be monitored, updated, authenticated? Um, you know, how are you going to make sure that you, uh, you're pushing your updates and the updates are actually loading and that everything's healthy and, and you're responding as, as expected. And then, uh, that whole, whole set of problems is something that everybody's known about it for a long time. And in some ways, isn't terribly, terribly different from, Hey, your entire workforce just had to stay home for, you know, for, has to stay home yeah. for two years. And now you've got, you know, a 10,000 person organization and, 
hey, how is that working, right? I mean, so same, same sort of problems, but now you just don't have a person at the other end that can pay attention to the updates and, you know, can do the, uh, what's our what's our term for the Wednesday? The updates, Wednesday right? reboots. <laughs> yeah, so, but that, that all still has to happen, right? And especially if you've got network connectivity, you know, you can't, you know, like the, the current industrial thing, right, is like you may have some connectivity, but essentially you'll put something in the field that has a dedicated capability and you'll leave it there for 10 years. And, and maybe don't you, touch uh, it. And you just don't touch it. And maybe you do the firmware once every 10 years and then you do it by sending a guy with thumb drive, right? Um, in modern systems, especially when you want to do them at scale and especially when you want to get it, you know, get a lot more devices out there, none of that stuff makes any sense. And so you need to really... Well, these systems just absolutely have to be architected in a way that they can be maintained because you can't say deploy, you know, a thousand devices to a, a remote location um, and then have a small army of people that are going to be going there on a regular basis to make sure that everything's working. There's no economics in that. So to, to build but it doesn't to be isn't that yeah, isn't that count kind of I know the IT guys are very cautious around this space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because and, and they don't upgrade things because don't touch what's working mentality. But there's there's True. a lot of fear around ransomware attacks on OT networks now. Absolutely. And and, and that's why you can't leave it alone. Right. It's like there's gotcha. nothing there's almost nothing worse than you can do to say, hey, we're not going to fix it because it's not broken. But. That's not true from a security vulnerability perspective, right? Um, so if you're going to have this type of connectivity, you have to have a way of keeping everything updated so that it's got the robustness that you need to deal with the, um, you know, with the environment that we live in with respect to security. So, so yeah, and there's a lot of different points. I mean, this is again like all of the things that go into EduCloud are are you know fields on their own with experts and well-developed industries and. Uh, and lots of time spent. It's um, so we were we were did the very high level thing, which is just don't neglect this because don't just go out there and start throwing out some good architectures because if that architecture hasn't been crafted to be with manageability in mind, um, you're probably going to find that your management's going to say thank you, but uh, go away because we're not ever going to apply it. Right? Yeah, no, so. I agree. All right, there's there's one one major one left, and that's availability, which we've already kind of touched on a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, availability. Anytime I think of availability, I, I remember when I was a CIO and we talk about availability as in three or four nines. My data center's up four nines. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. for Edge, you don't talk even double nines, do you? As far as availability uh, goes? So we would love to, right? Um, the, way, the way that it works is if we need that type of availability, it's still all hardwired. Um, and then typically has the redundancy built in. So that's one of the things, like if we go back to the healthcare model, um, this is where that part of it becomes really critical, right? Oh, I because don't even want double nines. I want 100% uptime you, you on want, my- You know, yeah, like nine nines or like seven nines. Yeah, right? exactly. It's almost impossible to meet, but it's, but it, it does become like a, a whole new world of saying, okay, it's not, again, good enough to have an edge architecture or have a manageable edge architecture or even have an edge architecture that can communicate with the cloud and take advantage of that with these nice seamless applications flowing back and forth. It is- can you design that with sufficient redundancy based on what the applications need? Yeah, I, I, I like that approach because it's so, more of a systems approach. I don't care if one component fails. As exactly, long as right. the mission 
Um, see, you can tell I've been in the DOD way too long. Everything's right. a mission. <laughs> as long as the application, um, like on a hospital bed, right? As long as I keep that patient alive and notify if there's issues, I don't care if individual components fail, as long as I meet the end goal. And right. that's very, very different than what we do in the cloud. It's all about keeping the infrastructure up. Yeah, and in like I'll, I'll see if I can give an example because because I think at Edge it's harder because there's also a cost sensitivity at the Edge um, because you want to get the scale where you've got you know lots and lots of, of devices and lots and lots of capabilities, right? And so um, so one of the other things that Intel does is we we have a smart Edge platform. Um, I've worked the most with the commercial, so I'll talk about that since since I just understand it better. But like one of the examples is like for some applications, you could say, here's a smart edge mech application that has really good network connectivity. You can use 4G, 5G, LTE, Wi-Fi 6, whatever is available, and it can work, you know, has a Xeon class server, and it will work with like, you know, say, uh, 10 to 100 different edge devices, right? And that could be a really solid architecture, but that almost undoubtedly does not have a high enough availability if it's single server and if it's single network, right? So if we're really talking availability, there is extra cost that you have to throw in because at a minimum, you need redundancy of compute, but then you need that software to be designed so that totally if there is a fail, it, yeah. if something fails, it's, you have a seamless set of operation, right? Ideally, and this we're not there yet, but is is on the on the radar is this idea of hey, if you can get your hands on multiple networks, then you don't want a system that's designed for a single network. You really, and this is especially true in the you know in the public sector side of the world, you want a system that can say hey, I've got Wi-Fi six and I use that preferentially, but if I lose my Wi-Fi, do I have any 4G here and can I keep the network moving so that I still have good connectivity and I can still do what I need to do? So it's almost like the availability is, is a bit too, you know, twofold um, with respect to making sure your compute is solid and then making sure that your network connection is solid. And again, we can design to be standalone operations without the, the network side, um, but then does that mean you're hardwired to all of your devices? Yeah, that, yeah, that means it's server? fragile, right? It's... Right, right. Um, and if you go hardwired, costs get higher, it's limitations, you, you lose your mobile applications. And so this whole idea of how do you get your local network to be highly, you know, highly, uh, highly available. available as well. Um, and often what that means is you've got to just go redundant, right? So, yeah, it's fasc it's fascinating. So, stuff, yeah, right? that's and interesting because you tied cost. Cost of a course is something in there, and it's almost in opposition to availability and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, Anna, this has been very insightful. Um, if people want to find out more, you guys can go to embracingdigital.org. There is a white paper there. You can also find the white paper on intel.com. Um, uh, the white paper is called Essential Requirements for edge to cloud service architectures. Go out and look for it. Dr. Anna Scott, thank you again. As always, it's a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Darren. Great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.